Right, talk Derby to me. Uh, 28, this is. Um, we've done 28 of these over the course of lockdown. Uh, two special guests today. We'll start with well, a special co-host, really, isn't it, I think? Derby fans will know her very well. How long was you at Derby County for, Kim? Oh, gosh, I've been there on and off for probably like 10, 11 years. Wow. I know, long time. And you know our guests like quite well today. Former Rams defender Mark O'Brien. How are you, Obi? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. How's lockdown treating you? Yeah, it's like boring, obviously, not having like football and stuff like that, but just doing things to keep myself busy and all like that, like some cycling and outside and all like that as much as I can. But like you say, it's it's nothing without football. Like. Yeah, but you've um you got injured, didn't you, just before lockdown, so you've been struggling with that a little bit. How's that been? Yeah, it's not been it's not been too bad. Um, like obviously, I was out for about four weeks before like lockdown even happened. So I was kind of like in the middle of like rehab stuff and trying to progress, getting back into uh, full time training, and then obviously all this has happened. So it's been tough, but like as they've said, like I've just carried on doing my rehab stuff best that I can, and it's been feeling a hell of a lot better. So hopefully, when football starts back, I can just get myself straight back into training. Good, and I'm surprised about that because I saw the clip from when you went down and when you injured yourself, and it was oh, it was pretty nasty. Made me wince. It was awful. Yeah, it was a nice league because obviously it was um, the last couple of minutes of the game, like if not like the last minute, and I just got clattered by the other centre back and the goalkeeper all at once, and I ended up fracturing my elbow and um, doing the ligament in my knee all at once. So it didn't feel the nicest afterwards, but. Like you yeah. say, like with all of this going on, it just paints a bigger picture. That does, um, it gave me a lot more time now. I didn't miss out on too many games. That hopefully, if football does begin back again, then um, I have a chance to just pick up where I left off. We'll, we'll start from the very beginning because this is like total derby to me. So, but we'll start with like your football career. So, how did you first get started within football, and then how did you move come about coming across from Ireland to come and play in derby? I, like I, I played in Ireland. I started when I was around like uh, seven or eight, and I just played for like my local side for about ten years. And like I said, I, I just I was just loving it. And like you, you get the chances of playing for like younger age Ireland teams internationally. And as you say, um, scouts come and watch our games, and it was brilliant. In all fairness. Like I used to love it. And our league back in Dublin at the time was like a competitive league where scouts come and watch and they just pick people out. And like I said, um, uh, I was lucky enough that Derby came along. And I remember like the very first trial that I flew over, it was only on the 14s and they played Everton away. And I flew over that morning into Liverpool at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, met up with the team that I never knew, played the game, and we won 3-2 when I scored the winning goal. And then I flew home that night. So then um, they said that I'd done like, really well in the game. That they wanted me over for a week's training. So I went over for a week and settled in in digs. And like I said, I, I was enjoying every minute of it. And it felt like a home from home. So I knew like it was making me choice a lot easier. And without me knowing, I was training with the youth team. And I was only 14, 15 at the time. So I was training with Derby's youth team. And like I said, I, I, the, they thought I'd done really well. And as you say, uh, 
once they said that they were looking to sign me, I was more than happy to fly over. From coming on trial at under four, um, under fourteen level, within what two three years, you're making your first team debut. So it must have been a bit of a well, yeah. Um, years. When I when like I, I flew over, uh, like I was fifteen going on sixteen that year, so I was still classed as a schoolboy. So I was living with a family, and that four season, like obviously I had to wait till I turned sixteen in the November. So I could play for the U team. So like I was training with the U team, but having to play on the weekends with the under 16. So obviously it was prepared to me for when I had the chance to register properly, I could make a step into the under 18s and uh, take it from there. And like I said, it was just one step after the next all in one season. Like I went from playing with the under 18s and then um, I made the bench for the reserves against the Glen Hoddle Academy. And I got the last 10 minutes of that game. And obviously, Noiser Clough at the time thought, like, I'd done okay for the 10 minutes that I came on, that he gave me more minutes as the season was going on. Um, and like I said, I absolutely loved it. Like, everything was just one big world, like, uh, whirlwind. And still being only 16 and forced flying over for me, forced to have a professional club, it felt so strange, but I was loving it. And then I remember Derby, they were playing the last. The la- uh, second last game of the season was a home game and my family were over for the second last game because it was our last U team game and we were playing at home and uh, me, dad, me dad and my mum were watching and I was playing a game and Noiser Clough went over and spoke to them that I never knew about and he obviously said to me to my parents that if Derby got a result that day it meant they were safe to, like at the end of the season so he said if if they get a result today Mark will be on the bench for the fourth team next uh, next week. So um, don't tell him that we told you just yet. But that's what will happen. So we'll pay for your flights to get you over so you can so you can see it. And I never knew any of that because I was playing with the U team at the time. And then went to the derby game with my family. And after the game, my dad said, oh, that was a good game, whatever. They, they were going home on the Sunday. So my dad just goes, I'll see you next week. And I was thinking, well, it's the end of the season. Like, I'm coming home next week. And he goes, no, he said, I'll be over next week. And I goes, no, you won't. And he goes, yeah, you're on the bench for the fourth team. So I just kind of laughed thinking my dad was just trying to wind me up because, like I said, I was still only 16. And then Monday came, I was in the change room for the under-18s. And uh, Gary Crosby came up into the change room and just goes, I'll be your with us today. So my heart kind of sank a minute and I just thought, what's going on here? And like you say, I went down and trained and I'd done really well. And they, like all the first team lads like were happy with me and the manager was happy with me. And then I travelled to Watford away on that following Saturday. And like I said, it was something where like I always try and like look back at it. And it was just mm-hmm. one of these crazy feelings where obviously I didn't think I would have played. But always hoping that I would have had a chance of playing. And so I was on the bench and <clears throat> I remember at half time Derby were 3-0 down. And went there, we were sitting on the bench, and one of the lads that I was on the bench with, Mark Dudley, looked over the shoulder of, of uh, Andy Garner. And he goes, You're going on after 60 minutes. And I would kind of looked at him and thought, No, I'm not. And he goes, Yeah, yeah. And I looked up at the clock and there was like 58 minutes gone. So I thought, oh no, and he just turned around and said, OB, get warm. So at the time, I was kind of like frozen where 
the warm-up was jogging up and down the sideline, but like just trying to hold in nerves, excitement, everything. And then I ended up going on and I played centre-back next to Rob Hulst. Because he he talked like he spoke to me after the game and he said he played Rob Holt centre back next to Lewinoy Tanga because he didn't think it would have been fair to start me. So we thought mm. he was always going to bring me on, which I never knew. And then obviously um, I ended up coming on and done really well. And obviously at the time Robbie Savage being the captain, he was brilliant with me. Like any time I cleared the ball, I won a header, I done anything really well he was the first person to come over and congratulate me and was like well done well done keep it going and all stuff like that so that was kind of giving me the boost to think I was doing something right and ended up clearing one off the line and like I said the game finished 3-1 so I was able to be on the pitch when we actually scored and like you say afterwards it was like one big whirlwind where I started off with the under 16s and by the end of the season I made my debut so it was crazy but like I said, I absolutely loved every minute of it. That is crazy. You must be one of the youngest people to make your debut, actually. I think I'm the second youngest. Mason Bennett. Mason Bennett is the youngest. I mean, what's that like as well? Like when you're like your first game, you've just been called up. You're it's an away game as well, so you're on that coach. What's that actually like travelling down? Um, just the nerves uh, and anticipation of getting down there. I think it's the quietest I think I've ever been. Like I was sitting there. <laughs> Well, that, that that's a lot because it's yeah. keep you quiet as well. No, and like literally, I was just sitting there really quiet, like not knowing anybody. Like seeing, as you say, you're on a bus, like with the likes of Robbie Savage, who you've seen play in the Premier League, and like, and it was all just like it felt so surreal, like it wasn't really happening. And as you say, training with them all week made it slightly easier, where I felt a bit more comfortable. Like it wasn't like that. I just travelled down on that Saturday. But like I said, I, I like I loved every minute of it, and as as I said, like I got longer than I expected, and it it worked out great for me. One one hell of a youth team you came through as well. Who who along, alongside came through there with you? It was there was Jeff Callum Ball? Yeah, there was Jeff Callum Ball, um, another Irish lad, Ryan Connolly. Yeah, Scalzi. Yeah, um, Mark. Mark Dudley came through when he made his debut that day as well. Um, like you say, like it, it was a, it was a very good, um, it was a very good side. So, like you say, um, it was it was a, it was a tough few team like to come through. But like you say, you you, you enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, but especially you've been playing with Jeff for years, though, haven't you? So you've already got that rapport with him. Yeah, like you say, when when I was like from the age of eight and all stuff like that. Like, I've known Jeff for that long. We've always played against each other and we've always um, had that kind of rivalry in Dublin. But then also when we had to play like Young Ireland squads, we were always on the same team. So it was brilliant. And as you say, um, when I signed over here and then he signed as well. And then we had like a couple, then we had Scalzi as well and we had Graham Kelly who um, were also Irish and we had Paul Lawless. So it was good, like having like a little Irish group there as well. It helps you settle in so much more. But as I said, like having Jeff there after knowing him for so many years um, made it made it so much better. And then obviously being able to play in the force team alongside him as well was brilliant. Does it, does it help having a competitive youth side like that? If you've got good players around you and it's competitive to, to get to that level, it must help. Obviously you're all vying to get in the first team, so... 
like you say, you you need to have that kind of competitive edge where everybody is over there for a reason. If you're in the U team or you're in the reserves or anything like that, everyone wants to be in a force team no matter what age you are. And I think having the competitive U team that we did have, um, it pushed us to do great things. And when we all had our chances to play in the reserves or have a chance to push to the force team, like Nigel Clough was brilliant with me and with other young lads where he wasn't afraid to put you in if he felt you were good enough. So if you were out, if you were playing really well in the youth team or in the reserves, you'd get your chance for the force team. And he proved that with giving the majority of people a chance at such a young age to, to play. How did that affect you, do you think, um, making your debut at 16? Was it a positive for you in your career? Yeah, um, I'd say it was positive because, in a way, for everything that like has, I've been through so far in my career, it's made me kind of grow up really like it made me grow up like more beyond my years at the age of 16 because I was training with like with fully grown men every single day mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to be really babied around I had to kind of grow up and be one of them I wasn't able to like think I'm going to be a 16 year old so you can't say much to me like it was in a time where you couldn't just be carried along you had to show your warts just as much mm-hmm. as what they were like it's it's not something where just because I'm 16, they can take it easy on me. Like, I'm just as well credible as them. So, like I said, it, it, to me, I think it was it was great for me because, like I said, I, I did grow up um, a lot quicker than it matured me. It, it, like, it made me a lot more mature at such a like, young age. I suppose you've got to find your physicality as well, though, haven't you? Because you go from, obviously, playing youth football to playing, you know, proper men's football and with some towering towering guys up there so you kind of go from um where you are what you're playing who you're playing with to all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game really isn't it yeah it's totally different and like I said like I I wasn't one of the biggest or strongest centre-backs you'll ever come across and I'm still not now but I think one thing that I did have when I was younger and even to even to now is as a centre-back my dad always like made me realise that a centre-back is there to defend. So whether that's heading the ball, tackling, never pulling out of a tackle and putting your head in where it needs to be put in and all stuff like that kind of put me in good stead for when the force team came around because you can always build. I always felt as though I could always build on the physicality side of things, but I think having the basics of being a defender when I was able to kind of bring that into the force team and show what I was capable of doing and like I said, it kind of worked out perfect for me in that sense. And um, it helped me on the other side when, when I did need to start down. Like, like I knew that I was able to build on my physicality. But the defending side of thing, I wanted that to just be a natural feeling. Within a, within a few months of you making your debut quite quite early, obviously you had the, the medical issues with, with your heart and whatnot. Do you, do you feel like that may have held you back career-wise or... Is, is that kind of you, you're glad it got caught early or it's kind of a, a difficult sub- subject to broach but it's how did it kind of affect yeah. your career like I think to an extent it did affect it because like it, it's something that you never think that would ever happen like you go from one high of making a debut and thinking everything's brilliant and this is what I've always wanted and then you get brought straight back down to earth and then below anything else thinking it could all be taken away just as quick and from some like doctors and nurses and stuff like that, you get told you might not be able to 
play professionally again and you might just be only able to like play it as a pastime. So to me, I was lucky enough to have the people around me as like for me family wise and also um as in the club boys because making me debut they knew that I had some and Clough gave me a chance and like I said he, he gave me a new three and a half year deal after me debut and then all of a sudden like obviously the hard stuff but then that gave me even more of a chance to get back from me heart operation and I think being 16 at the time made me naive enough to think that I had a chance of doing it all whereas I think if I had been any older and was able to like understand what was going on and not just be naive thinking oh, I can't wait to play football again like there was a bigger picture to it but to me once the doctor said I had the chance of playing that's all that mattered to me mm. so I had a great fitness coach and I had like obviously the backing of Nigel Clough and like I said, it started off with slow walking when I had to fly back home to Ireland and Nigel Clough would phone me every so often and make sure I was doing my walk and then checking up on me and phoning my family, making sure everything's okay. And like I said, sometimes a little touch like that makes you want to get back and play for, for the manager and makes you want to do really well for the manager because like I said, he, he didn't have to be concerned about what was going on or didn't have to be concerned about if I was walking back home in Ireland, because it's sometimes you think out of sight, out of mind, but it kind of gives you that little kind of special feeling where you're thinking, right, if he actually does care for me and doesn't and does want me to be back fit, then I'm going to do everything in my power to get back fit. And when I had the operation around October time, I ended up getting back playing and I made the bench. I think it was Cardiff for home last game of the season and I made the bench for the last home game of the season. So from that whole world win, I, I ended up making it back to be on the bench for the first team again, which, again, to me, was just something where whether I was playing for the U team or whether I had a chance of playing in the reserves and, like I said, having a chance to be on the bench for the first team, I think, was just one achievement I was striving for. And once I knew I was back playing, then nothing was going to actually stop me. I just think that's amazing. I mean, that just that time scale for when you, you had your up to being back playing, like that's just ridiculous. You must have, it just shows your determination. So it shows how, um, how much you, you really wanted your place and you fought for it. And obviously it helps with Cluffy like um, touching on you because that's, that's your loyalty to him, isn't it? It makes you want to get out there even quicker. Well, that's exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's like you have a manager that, like basically trust in everything that you do and being still young he trusted he trusted me to get back fit he trusted me to be able to put me on the bench again he trusted me to to be able to actually play professionally again and like I said if if you felt as though our sight our mind maybe you look at it in other ways and think well no one really cares now I'm just doing it for myself so maybe I wouldn't have got the fitness that I did but like I said, those little small touches of him phoning me family and phoning me and making sure that I'm doing everything doing everything right makes you want to get back and play. And like I said, I was lucky enough that I had people that stood by me family-wise and football-wise and it, it helped me get back. And like I said, the following season after that, um, it took off more than I actually expected. And as a Derby fan that was, that was watching... Every game at that point, Nigel Clough had uh, some mixed reviews during that time. So, I wanted your opinion, like in the dressing room, from from your perspective, what was Nigel Clough like, the man manager? What was he like to play for? For me personally, I think he was brilliant, and he kind of made me um, the person 
football-wise that I feel as though I am today. Like, if you do right by him or do right by any manager, they'll kind of look after you and they'll be loyal to you because sometimes you see nowadays there's not much loyalty in football anymore where if a manager doesn't need you or doesn't want you, you put to one side and the next one comes in where, like I said, he had that loyalty to him where he had trusted me to get back fit and obviously he had the loyalty to stick by me that when I had a chance of being back fit and being able to play, I was. And that doesn't mean he took it on me any easier because I've had a heart operation because that was in the past once I got back playing. So if I needed if I needed basically a kick up the arse, I got one. If I needed an arm around the shoulder to say, Do you know what, you've done really well today, you got one. But like you say, he was one of them managers that if you do right by him, he would do right by you and you'd get chances, which I, like time off to see a family and you'd train hard and you'd do all these different things. He was a tough manager, but he was very fair. And to me, like I said, like I owe him everything because if I possibly had any other manager in the time that I was going through the stuff that I did, then maybe my career probably would have never even happened because what other manager would have ended up taking me up after having the stuff that I did or what other club would have stuck by me. But like I said, I was lucky enough that he did. It's a, a hell of a changing room as well that you came through there as a 16-year-old going into a changing room with like Stephen Bywater, Robbie Savage, some some massive characters in there. If you, what was it was it like coming through with the uh, the experienced pros <coughs> in them days? You must have some stories from there. In all fairness, uh, they, they were brilliant. Um, I think... Obviously, like me being the young lad, like I remember we were traveling in a pre-season and we were going down to Bournemouth, I think it was. And obviously being the young lad and everything and whatever, how long that drive is, whether it was like four or five hours or whatever. I remember like each time I would like slightly nod off and try and get some sleep. <laughs> you just get a tap on the shoulder and say, right, everybody wants a, a coffee and a tea. So you go around the whole bus and ask everybody, you want this, you need this, and they all have one. Then I had to ask the driver. So then you sit back down, and then as you nod off again, you get another touch on the shoulder to say, no, I don't want a cup of tea, actually. I want the hot chocolate. So then you have to go and make them again. <laughs> and the whole reason for it all was, was basically, I'm just not allowed sleep. So no matter what happened, then, then the manager had a rule that every hour on the hour, he wanted a fresh cup of tea on his table. So like you say, it's all those little things that kind of, when when you when you come away from all of that and you see the next bunch of young lads that have to go through all that, you feel as though you know what I done my bit. Now it's time that I can put my feet up and get tears made for me, which is brilliant. But paint painted views. Yeah, exactly. But as you say, it like I, I I loved every minute of it, and they they were great for me. And but like you say, I was still treated as one as them. So it wasn't like if a day didn't go if a day didn't go so well where training wasn't great or you give away a pass or you do this. They'd come down just as hard on you as they would if it was one of the experienced lads or one of the like one of the like normal force team lads. So, like I said, it was brilliant and it's put me in good stead for the career that I've had so far. Have you got a, a career highlight? Could you pick one out so far? Obviously, it's still some ahead of you, so it's uh, it's a bit premature to ask for a career highlight. But like, there's a few because there's obviously making me debut at 16. Like, I loved every minute of it, and then. I think like three years ago when I scored the goal for Newport to save them because of the season I was having that season with Luton, which didn't go down too well. I think that just capped off like a season where 
it kind of gave me a new lease of life where I was able to push on again. So saving them from like the relegation and the, everything that was in it to come down to an 89th minute goal. And that was my first ever league goal to score. I think that that's something that I, I think will always stick out for me no matter what. Yeah, because and they they still they still talk about that. I mean, the how many people did they do like a a mural or something of your gold on the wall or something like that? Did I read? Eh, uh, no. They, like someone online done. Um, somebody online like done like t-shirts of me goal That's and done it. postcards of me goal and done like these pictures of me goal and everything. And like you say, like people do still talk about it now. And as you say, like I'm, I'm probably gonna try and live off that for as long as I can. Because if things don't go so well in, in any time in the near future, I can always just go back to that. But <laughs> I think that's just, like, I think it's just because of the whole season I was having from the first six months to the last six months, it was, like, so different. Where I felt as though coming up to that Christmas with Luton, there was no hope for football. I was going to go back home to Ireland and try and start playing there to then getting a chance to prove myself again at Newport and then the season finishing with that goal and then getting a new two-year deal on top of that just felt like a whole new lease of life and I've been loving it. I think you've just gone from strength to strength there. I mean, you, you seem really settled at Newport at the moment. Obviously, you had the playoff finals as well at Wembley. Yeah, like, as I said, um, once that goal went in and then everything kind of settled as a, as, a, as a team and a club, it just went from strength to strength and to be part of that and to be one of the people that have been part of that for the last two, three years has been brilliant from getting our FA Cup runs in that fourth season, finishing mid-table, and then the next season getting a further FA Cup run and going to Wembley. Like it, it was all one big progression. And like I said, still, obviously, we're still trying to like strive and get further and do better things. But I think to be on that journey to help this club go strength to strength has been brilliant. I mean, what's it, what was it like as well? I mean, because like walking out at Wembley as captain, that must have been pretty damn special, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think that whole second half of the season when um, we started doing really well and doing well in the FA Cup and we were getting all the publicity of being um, these giant killers and all this kind of stuff, you, you just look at it and think, could it get any better? And then we had 12 games to go and... It was kind of an outsider's chance that you can make playoffs and it goes from an outsider's chance to, right, we'll take one game as it comes. And then we are just winning, winning, winning and never dropping any points. And then being captain through all of that was was like massive. And then we made the playoffs on the last day of the season because we got a 90-minute equaliser and Exeter ended up not winning and we ended up making it in by one point. So then you think, right, this could be our season. And then... We ended up playing Mansfield. You got one nil down. It goes one all, and then the whole second leg, we ended up beating them on penalties. So like everything was just seems as though we're getting better, getting better. And like you say, Wembley to be captain and going out and um, being able to be captain at Wembley was something that like I'll always remember. Obviously, it didn't work out the best after losing, and obviously having like being sent off at Wembley. But I think nothing will take away being captain and having a chance of actually walking out at Wembley no I was just about to say you're going to kill me for my next question because I was going to say what was it like being captain and being sent off at Wembley <laughs> like I think all of that was just one big mad roller coaster because it's like you want to do everything and the game was in, going in our way and it was going in our favour and everything was going perfect and there was nothing going wrong and then he was winding you up 
Mm, a misunderstanding. I would say a misunderstanding where legs got tangled. That, that's um, what I was about to say. Was it was it a red OB? Was it a red? That's my question. Well, the ref gave me a second yellow, but I don't yeah. even think the fourth yellow was it was a yellow. But I think watching them all back, like when I've watched it, like I know what happened. But when you watch it back on telly and you watch what that are happening. You kind of look at it and just think, yeah, in any other situation, if that happened against us, you'd want them to be sent off. But I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I know that he played me very well where his hand was on me and he took a jump because he knew he wasn't making the ball. <laughs> your dad and your old football coach were in the stands as well, weren't they, watching that? And I think that your football coach was very, very vocal all the way through it. I think he was just... Uh... He was just on your side. Yeah, but like like I said, it's it's I've been lucky enough with the managers that I've had growing up where yeah. he was a manager from the age of eight till fourteen and fifteen of tough love, where even when we were the age of nine, ten, if we weren't playing well, he would he would let you know. And I think <laughs> having that going into Nigel Clough, it meant no difference to me because yeah. it was like, right, that's how I just seen how managers are. Like if you do something wrong, they'll let you know. If you do well, they'll praise you. But like you say, that's just how I've like I've heard all the effing and blind and then all sorts from a young age with my manager where I just thought this is normal. So, <laughs> like I said, it doesn't surprise me if he if he was like very vocal through everything. And I thought that the, I thought when I was watching it in the tunnel that the lads would have made it to penalties and then it's anyone's game, but it just wasn't probably meant to be. And like I said, it, that's the first time that I think I've ever kind of got upset and cried at football where I just felt as though everything that we achieved and everything that I was part of it all came down to me being sent off and me being the captain I felt like I just took it all on my shoulders and that was it that it was me and me only and sometimes maybe you shouldn't think like that but at the same time there's no other way to like look at it when when it's that day and, and after what's after happening you kind of can only look at it one way where you feel as that was just your fault. But like I said, I've looked back at it now and you kind of, you look at it and say it was a mistake, but you just have to move on from it till the, the next season because football allows that where you can go season to season and forget about last season. If you do better this season, then you can always try and improve yourself somehow. Now, all I was going to say was that how do you bounce back from that? Because as somebody watches, you think, Losing a playoff final, being sent off, professional that that would take some some coming back from. Is it you just have to be like resilient, or like you say, having the two coaches that that brought you through, Nigel Clough and and you've coached, does that kind of instill it in you? Yeah, I think I think it's something where you look at loads of other experiences through many sports, and as you say, you see so many people have these ups and downs, and like I said. I always looked at when Aguero scored the goal, how that would feel to be able to score a last-minute winner. And then all of a sudden that happens for me. So then you understand and you're thinking, this is mental. Like, not at the same magnitude, but for a level like goes for and a club like goes for it to happen. And then for you to score that goal, you feel on top of the world. And like you say, you, you see where in cup finals people miss penalties and people get sent off. And I'm lucky enough that the Newport fans stuck behind me through it because I didn't get too much of negativity from the fans saying it's your fault and how dare you do this to our club or anything the Newport fans have been brilliant with me and they kind of just said well do you know what it was it was harsh we should have done this we should have won the game and all that kind of stuff so I had the backing of them where 
it made it a lot easier to just kind of put to one side and say, right, well, next season, let's try and correct that. And as you say, up until my injury, I, I played nearly every game and, and I was captain and, and everything was going so well. And like you say, you're just kind of, you're lucky enough to be in football where, for instance, if you have one bad week, right, next week can be better. So mm-hmm. if you have one bad week, as in the Wembley game, you have a new season now to try and push that to one side and have to push on. I think through everything I've had in my career with the injuries and the heart operation, I think it, it's it's made me that bit more strong-minded where I can kind of try and push things to one side and just try and concentrate on what's actually happening. All right, so Kim, you've known... How long have you known Mark then? Well, from, from youth team days, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. We've known each other for years now, haven't we? Yeah, been a long time now. Yeah, really long time. I think... Um... Yeah, probably, probably I was probably finishing, well, finishing up at Derby when you were just literally breaking into the first team, I think. Yeah, because I remember when I broke in at Watford, like the Watford game away, like Matty McCann and all, like because it was an away game, Matty McCann and all, uh, it was like ahead of it all, took all the interviews and stuff like that. And I think you were just coming to an end at Derby then. Yeah, I think so. Because obviously I was at uni, so it was kind of, um, I was kind of in and out. And um, uh, yeah, I don't actually, I don't actually think I ever got to interview you when you were... No. No, never. No, the whole, like the, the, the time that I was there, because like literally I was only still a schoolboy classed as like only gone into being like a first year scholar in the one season. So I never really had much to do with the first team other than the last week of that season for that like yeah. season or probably that was the last season you were there. This is your yeah, opportunity, yeah. Kim. What if you ask hey. one question, what what question would you ask? One question. Oh no, I think I, I think I used that up earlier when I was talking about Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> the red card. That's it now. I don't want to talk to me anymore. Um but no I think like we I think we've kept in touch for for ages and whenever I've had a little problem, especially when I've been um if I'm pe- if I was penning out interviews or I was thinking, I've always kind of dropped your line and been like, "Oh, what do you think of this?" And you've always kind of said, "Oh, don't don't do this or say this or just act like just just settle with theirs." Really, sometimes, wasn't it? Yeah, like because most times it's like obviously to do with different things. It was like given the angle of like say a player's perspective yeah. over things, which like could, if the smallest little thing or anything I could say could help, it was much easier to do it that way where obviously from someone else's perspective like your own or anyone else's looking in at a football system can be a bit like overwhelming or you don't know how to approach a football or like but at the end of the day everyone is just as normal as anybody else so if you just yeah. sit there and speak everybody just talks as normal and has a laugh yeah I think it's normally been like do you know so-and-so <laughs> what's he like I'm yeah. sort of talking to him yeah. tomorrow that's not that's normally what it was isn't it like yeah. what can you tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. All that. The thing is, it's like it's like the it's like the opposite of what we're doing now. Like the normal footballer interview is like the opposite. We're like literally we're all just sat, relaxed, having a chat, and normally it's like something thrust into your face. Right, we everyone looking for like a little soundbite rather than just like if you, you just treat him like a normal human being and have a chat, you get a little bit more. I think that's the thing. It's like if like we're no different to anybody else and that's the main thing it's like when you're no different to anybody else you're going to just talk as a normal person like but obviously people put you on a pedestal and 
like people see it as a role model for other people and all stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we still all have our own lives and we still all have our own problems and we all have like families and everything like that. So it's we're just as normal as anybody else, really. Yeah, and it's nice as well. Like it's nice, so um, when you grow up and like you, you like everyone kind of grows up together, and you like you see people meet their partners, have kids, and then you've got like common grounds because you go in. And it's like, oh, how you know how old your little one? What are you doing? It's 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 really interesting. Um, kind of just a, a routine. How like family life, especially as we're getting older. I mean, the, the last time that was at Derby was it felt really weird because it was the first time I was back there. Obviously, I had uh, my daughter. So you've kind of, you can go in, you talk about the kids and it's just a completely different way of talking to pe- talking to the players and talking to people than I would when I was there when I was 21, 22, which was completely different. That's the, that's the way it always goes, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. as I said, like I still keep in touch with some lads that I was in the U team with and people that you come across through football. But like I said, like me and Jeff are still really good mates and stuff like that. And like I said, you just, you, you stay close and you always chat to people, but everyone's in all different circumstances now where they're all growing up and you're not in yeah. a youth team system anymore. Like you can always reminisce over things but people have moved on and got families and all now. Uh, do, you, do you and Jeff still go <laughs> on holiday every year? Yeah, most years, me and him, like, uh, and like, a couple of his mates and all like that, we'll go away in the summers and all. So, like I said, but like we've known each other from way before Derby since we're like we're nine, ten years old. So, it's like a proper friendship and not just like a, on a football basis where I met him through football. Like it's, I've known him, his whole family and all stuff like that. So it's like we've grown up together, really. Yeah. I think it's been good since you've been at Newport, obviously, um, when they've played Northampton, I think that's been quite good. I've dropped by to see you play a couple of times there, which has always been good. I went down to watch at Wembley as well, didn't I? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like you, you stay in touch with people and like you say, everyone moves on in certain ways in life and all like that. But it's always nice when like you get along with people and stuff like that that you can keep in touch and you can still get along and as you say you talk about old days of derby days and uh, people going on in their careers and doing things but you can always stay in touch and um keep chatting with people and all that it's all it's great yeah definitely i mean i definitely appreciate i mean oh, going to, like going down to wembley that was pretty good i've i've never been to wembley and i've been moaning about it for ages and literally when you went in you were like right you, do, you, do you want to go? I was like, yes. So I went down with my brother, didn't I? You sorted out some tickets. That's what I'm saying. <sighs> and, and, and stuff like that is brilliant. And as you say, like, and then I had like all my family and friends and all back home and my dad flew over and stuff like that. Like my ma wouldn't fly over because she's one of the superstitious ones where it's like she didn't, she wasn't there for any other game and the whole build up. So she didn't want to like be the jinx of coming over, which even when I played home in Ireland, by Cherry Orchard and stuff like that. Like she always felt as though she was a jinx and I'd never allow her come to game. So I don't think she was gonna change that just for one of probably the biggest games that I'd play in. I'm not being funny, but I don't think I'm gonna come and watch you play again because every single time I've come you've lost. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you talk you talk we spoke earlier about and you, you just mentioned again, youth team players that have, have come through. We named a few earlier, but there's a few of us like Sev's was Sev's your year, James Seven? Yeah, he was the goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah, James Seven. And then Luke Garton, who lives, honestly, like, I could throw a stone from here and hit Luke Garton's window, unfortunately. But Yeah, like you say, like we had we had a great youth team. And, like, uh, Gart was one of them who was up there in our youth team. He was great at all the running and on the ball, technically, he was brilliant. Like, right foot, left foot, he, he could do anything. 
And as you say, like he was one where you'd be looking at and thinking like he could have went on and done really well. And Derby being his home club and stuff like that, it probably would have been like a dream come true for him and stuff. But like you say, sometimes things don't just work out for whatever reason. And it didn't kind of work out for him at Derby. But what a player he was when, when we played along, uh, played with him in the youth team. And t- like you say, technically I had everything, but I think, like you say, it's um, maybe putting everything into playing for Derby and then that doesn't quite work out. And then maybe not going to your exit trials. And it's a, it is a slippery slope, isn't it, football at times, where if you don't quite, yeah. you don't because quite like do one it. Minute, one minute, it's like you can throw everything. And I've seen it like with some lads that have flown away from Ireland. And you throw everything into being a professional footballer and you leave home and you move into digs and you're living away from home from such a young age. Football is all you know. And nine times out of ten for Irish footballers, the only way back is to go home to Ireland because mm. they've got no other contacts over here. So, like you say, it's either a make-or-break situation. And as I said, some of us have been lucky that you can go on and make a career of it. And I've known others that have only had to go back to Ireland and try and make it back there and it's a tough pill to swallow because from a young age if you are to go back you feel like it's a failure because you've not gone on and made a career for yourself but like you say um, it is one of them things that from a young age you kind of have to and even more so nowadays people are breaking through at such young ages that it seems as though you have to kind of make it but sometimes you get your knocks in football, but if you kind of have a mentality of that's exactly what you want to do, I don't think anything can stop you where you'll find one way or another and there's thousands of teams around whether you have to drop down leagues or whether you have to do anything. There's always someone that will take that chance on you where you, if you have the talent and the drive, it will just get you back to where hopefully one day you want to be. You're just going to do what you're going to do, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. What's the, what's the ratio like kind of between ability and having the attitude. So you obviously you see like some lads that have got the, the the ability and then they drop off the map and you never see them again and you see some lads that have got a bit of ability but they've got that drive to, to really get them there. Like you've got to have probably both and you Yeah, I, I think I think it's something that you have to like want to do for yourself more than anything else. I think it's the drive and having a bit of character where you are gonna get like setbacks and you're going to get injuries and you're going to get knockbacks from managers and you're never going to be everybody's cup of tea but football there's that many teams around I think if that's what you want to do you'll always find a way mm-hmm. but I think I've seen it with so many other people where you could have all the ability in the world but if you don't if you don't get a manager that likes you and you think right you're going to throw your toys out of pram and that's it then sometimes the people with the lesser ability but actually want it more shine through and sometimes if you get both of them then obviously you see the likes of Jeff and stuff like that have gone on to play in the Premier League now and he's gone on to represent this country in the Euros he's done brilliant so like you say um, sometimes sometimes it's more about the character that, that you are more than the ability that you have and it's all about like I remember when I first moved away my cousin the only thing that he really said to me was he said like it might have been hard but he said the easy thing is getting to England. The harder, the hardest part is staying in England and making a career of it. And that's one thing that always stuck with me. And like I said, I've been lucky enough so far to have the time that I've had that I'll, I'll, I'll always look back at it and just say, well, I'm like proud of what I've done so far and hopefully and then like have a few more years out of it to kind of do more things in football that 
like you say, you've like I've always wanted to do. Yeah, and and that's and that's always that's nearly like the main thing that you tell most people that it is always hard work that gets you noticed. Like if you do well in the running, or if you're a voice on the pitch, or if you're anything other than someone who can just have great ability on the ball, I think there's more characteristics to football than just having ability. And I think you see people who are at the top of their game. They have it all. They have the ability and they have the drive and they have everything to some people who might just have the ability, but they don't use it to the best that they can. And like you say, it's harder staying a pro because there's always someone who could be hungrier than you that will take your spot within a heartbeat and a manager will want that over anybody who could have any ability if someone's willing to work harder. Yeah, definitely. And you can tell that by the people that, you know, stay late after training, go the extra mile, do the extra runs over in the gym a little bit more. And you're one of them as well, aren't you? Yeah, look, I, like, the thing is, like, I, I like to try and, like, I'm never always the best in running. Like, anyone will tell you who's done pre-season with me. Like, I'll come last, <laughs> last one, and I'll be the worst at everything. But the thing is, is that even if I come last in the running, I'll still jog me way until I finish it. And then if I have to do extras in the gym and if I have to do certain things. But like I said, I mightn't have always been the most gifted footballer, but anything that I've ever played in or any team that I've ever tried to play in, I've always given it everything. And if it was never good enough for a certain manager, there's always another manager that will appreciate it. So it's just something where like, I've never kind of given up on it. Who was, the, who was the most gifted? You mentioned about being the most gifted Either at Derby or anywhere you played with, who's the most gifted player you played with? There was a t- there was a player like he made his debut for Derby, Paris Simmons. Paris Simmons, yeah, he went. He, he made he played in the Premier League. Yeah, I remember Paris. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like in our U team, he must have been like he blew everybody away. Like mm. literally, he had every last talent that could have went on. But I think on the flip side of it, he had a bad injury. He had a few knockbacks from manager and. I think he just fell out of love with the game. Mm. But his ability in their youth team and then when he was playing with the reserves and force team and stuff like that when he made his debut in the Premier League, he was untouchable. Mm. He seemed to have like kind of disappeared off the face of the He came on I think it was last game of the season against Red and he came off the bench, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he scored and he scored a goal that was disallowed. Disallowed, yeah. Yeah. And well, then and then within two, three years he was playing for Belper. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I think he had he had a problem with his ankle, and it kept like flaring up, and things weren't going right, and nothing was going right for him. And I think he just fell out of love with it completely, where he just accepted it what it was. And like you say, someone with all that ability then just falls to the wayside, to where I would class myself nowhere near him. That has gone on to have an okay career so far. That for whatever reason and I think because as you say you move away from Ireland and you you leave everything behind so you have that bit more of a drive where I think nothing was going to stop me from being a footballer no matter what league it was in or whatever it was I was always going to try and just continue my career wherever it might take me Have you got a, a favourite memory from your time at Derby? Obviously talk Derby to me podcast so we'll bring it we'll bring it back round Have you got a favourite um, memory for your time in Derby? I think I think my whole experience of just being at Derby, like I've 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 always felt privileged enough to say that like I've had a chance to play at Derby and mm. to be the second youngest player to ever play at the club and to make me debut so young and 
to have the club stick by me through the heart stuff and obviously through other injuries that I might have had, that the whole time of being there was one like massive experience that I'll always, always hold close to me and it'll always be a club that's like very close to me for everything that they helped me through. Where the whole time being there, if I if I like could have stayed longer, I would have stayed longer. But like you say, all good things don't last in football, unfortunately, where um I had to part ways and then kind of find my way around football, like to where I felt comfortable at Derby and felt at home at Derby. When things don't quite work out, like I didn't know where my next turn would have been. But like I said, I'm, I've been happy enough to go around and experience other levels of football. And like I said, I've been I've been happy doing what I've been doing so far. But still hoping to one day get back to higher leagues. But as you say, um, right now, like I'm happy for everything that what's happened. Do you still look out for a derby result? Yeah, and I still watch it when it's on. I still watch them when they're on on telly and stuff like that. And, as you say, like there's still some lads that are there that I've played with before, and like I'm sure things are totally different at the club now, like with more facilities and mm. everything that they've got. But like I said, I, I, I still look out for a derby result, and like I said, of of there'll always be a club that's really close to me. Well, thank you very much, Mark. We re- really, really appreciate your time. Honestly, that's mate, no so problem at all. Thank you very much, and uh, obviously a lot of good memories for a lot of derby fans. So. And that'll be a good listening. Yeah, and hopefully. <laughs> and thank you as well, Kim. Thank you very much. That's okay. Have you Thanks enjoyed for having it? me. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. It's always good to talk about Derby and big pieces, especially with that one. That one. That's our. That's our guest. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know.